Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of So Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Wednesday, February the 10th, 2016, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. And those of you trying to get into the chat room, give me just a minute. I am going to reboot my computer. I don't know if it's my computer or whether it's blog talk, but the chat room's not opening up. So give me just a few minutes and I will have it up. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. My appreciation for that. And appreciation to Dr. Tim for yesterday uh, doing both parts of the show. The... the, uh, chat room and the uh, the show itself as I shuttle people to the airport and last person's actually getting in their car as we speak. We just finished doing an orange flush. Those who've been to an intensive, you know that uh, one of the things that we'll do is we'll put together, and it sounds weird, but it is delicious. Most people, wow, I didn't think I'd like this. Orange juice, olive oil, and fresh garlic. And what it does is it tends to get the gallbladder and the the liver to uh, to do a little dump and flush out and give a chance to uh, to get ahead of the game. So we're actually drinking that. Just uh, squeeze some fresh orange juice and uh, cut Jeannie cut some fresh garlic and a little bit of high quality olive oil and uh, we're flushing. So we're honored that you're with us. One more time, much appreciation. Today is Addiction Healing Wednesday until we come up with a better name for it. And our conversation is to head in the direction of learning to be fully responsible for every energy that we hold within our structures. And if there's an energy that's less than love, then learning how to heal those energies that are less than love so that we get to truly live as real, honest-to-goodness human beings, really living as the truth of who we were designed to be and if you've ever held a newborn child, you know exactly what you were designed to be. You know exactly what you were designed to live as. And so that's the game. How do you get back to living as the awesome active presence of love that you were designed to live as? And so here we are, moving forward and looking at how 
the tendency to live in denial, and we have a specific definition, I think it's a little different than most AA definitions of denial, and that is when I simply think or speak as though something outside of me is a cause of something inside of me, I'm living in denial. And when I live in that state of denial, then whatever the real cause is of what's going on inside of me, I have to hide from myself. So I literally dissociate from content in my mind. And of course, since my mind is functioning through my body, the content I've dissociated from creates a disturbance in my body. When that energy moves in me, what happens is that energy creates the world that I see. It creates the world of pictures that my mind generates. And when you recognize that we each are continuously generating our own realities, that is pictures painted on the inside of our eyeballs, the world has taught us that we're looking out through these eyeballs, we have two windows on the world, nothing could be further from the truth. We generate reality, we don't record reality, says the CIA in the research on perception, and of course we've been teaching that for decades. And so when I realize that I'm painting a picture on the inside of my eyeballs, all of a sudden the whole game reverses because when people look at the picture on their eyeballs and they think it's actually out there, then they think that what's out there is causing the pain in here. And the pain in here is the cause of the pictures. It's the exact reverse. So pain is never caused by the picture in your head. Pain is caused by the energy held in your tissue, and that is a disease, and the cause I would offer of all disease. So the world of pictures is a result of your disease moving in you. Your disease is not a result of the pictures. And when you get that, then you move out of denial and dissociation. You stop trying to pretend that it's all everybody else's fault, and you get to own what's happening inside of you. You get to change it. We just finished doing nine days of codependence to interdependence and just saw some awesome shifts in people. One young lady who came here with MS is fairly difficult for her to move. Uh, about the, the eighth day, uh, came skipping down. We've got a two-story uh, home we're doing this workshop in that we've rented in Orlando, and she came skipping down the steps and shared that uh, she hadn't skipped like that since she was a teenager. And uh, body loosening up and letting go of those processes when we start to learn forgiveness. And forgiveness not being the game of I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me, but I come out of my denial, I come out of my dissociation, I recognize my disease, the energy that's there, and I literally forgive as to that energy. I remove that energy from my structure and I get free of it. Pretty awesome process. And so, Dr. Tim, are you out there, sir? I am here. Well, I wish I could reach through the phone, through the phone and hand you a glass of our uh, garlic olive oil orange juice, but I can't, so we'll just have a sip for you. And uh, what's exciting in your world? Anything on your mind today, especially about uh, addiction healing? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that I think of when I think about addiction and healing is how I gave a talk not too long ago where I introduced myself as the the uh, the bearer of bad news and I was going to tell people that they had an addiction they didn't know they had. And the addiction they didn't know they had from that talk was that we're all addicted to the familiar. 
And I just finished a session with some people who were very, very addicted to the familiar and angry in defending their right to hold on to the very painful realities that were causing the problems that they're coming to me to ask for help with. So if I get addicted to what I already know, it's really not possible for me to change and grow. Oh, there's a something just rhymed. I hope that doesn't become a pattern. <laughs> You're a poet and don't know it, eh? <laughs> yeah, so uh, so really the theme for the last few days has been people who are addicted to the familiar. They're addicted to the pattern they know, and they're addicted to the idea that they're going to prove they're right and everybody else is wrong. So, well, and, and it's interesting if you uh, if you look at that word, familiar means of the family. Family dynamics, power person dynamics, it just plays out generation after generation until we wake up from it, go all the way back to, uh, and, and, and this I think just fits perfectly with what you just said, is, you know, that story of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years and people thinking that's a story about a hot sandy place when it's really a metaphor for most people being addicted to the family, to the familiar, to the patterns of the power person, the hostility and fear. And you look at that story and, you know, how does a bright group of people like this get lost in a 30 square mile area for 40 years? It just makes no sense. But when you look at the solution that was offered in the scriptures, it says you got to deal with the family. The old generations have to die off, which doesn't mean everybody in old physical bodies has to physically go. The root of the word generations generate means cause. The old causes in the mind that are family patterns born and bred in us genetically and then environmentally reinforced all have to be faced and forgiven. And it's a, it's quite a task. And when you bring that truth to somebody and your stress goes up, you really do have to know when to duck and when to hold the mirror up, don't you, Tim? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had somebody yell at me again in the office today. And um, Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, well, you know what it's like when somebody is adamant about holding on to their stuff and at the same time adamant that their situation has to change right now. That That's a pressure cooker with no safety valve. The more and, I and change my right now in, with no input from them. Right. The more I stomp my feet and demand that things change while I absolutely adamantly refuse that I change, the more pressure I create within myself, and it's got to come out somewhere. Absolutely. Well, Jeannie tells me that Dr. Androcki's on the line, so let's see if he has any thoughts about this. Stephen, how are you, sir? Are you there? Are you there, Stephen? Is your mute button on, or are we not connected? Okay, you should be there now. Okay. Hey, we got. Um, you. I, have an I have an interesting story to share, and I think that it's a good place to start. And there's something that we might be able to uh, direct in the future of uh, steps that people can take to uh, to learn the program, and to uh, go stepwise through it because uh, the story unfolds that I had a young woman who came in yesterday who wanted to stop shooting IV heroin. And uh, the story goes that she started using um, pills in her teens like 
almost all the stories are. And then she graduated to heroin, and then eventually, uh, it's a it's a crazy thought for people who don't use it, or people who use it. Uh, just describing it will invoke the brain cells for craving it even more. That's uh, something that we may want to touch on uh, at some other point. So you right. get powdered hero, you get powdered heroin, and you dissolve it. Um, in uh, a liquid, usually water, heated up. You draw it up in a syringe and you put it in your vein and it gives you um, fleeting ecstasy, uh, of course, with the ramifications of such that you come down and then you have to do it again. Now, she had been through rehab uh, four times at the cost of uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and months of her life uh, going through the step process. But that wasn't enough for her because she came in and wanted to do it again. This time she was more committed to it. She had started uh, the process by using medication, uh, medication-assisted uh, detoxification, medication-assisted therapy with using right. an uh, opiate, uh, opiate to keep you from craving to, and keep you from using and keep you involved in the program because they have to keep coming in to see me uh, to get the medicine. And if they're using drugs, we can find out and to just – it's for commitment, obviously, it's not there. So it gives them the extra uh, advantage of being in, uh, needing to be involved in a program. So she had started right. this herself, and I asked her, what is different this time? She says, well, I've, I've made the decision this time that I've got to stop this. And so that was a good place to start for her. And uh, we, uh, of course, I told her, we support you in your uh, desire to stop using this, but this is what you're going to have to do. And I think at some point that we may uh, want to choose a uh, Wednesday to uh, look at that, uh, making the decision to stop doing what you're doing. And I think that could take up uh, an hour. I think it could take up many hours with people who, 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 who can call up and could give their experience of making that decision and what made an impact into their life. Now, I have, and I always tell people it's not their fault that they are using the the drug or the substance or whatever it is. That this is the best way that they've learned how to deal with their issues and problems. But they've got to do something about those issues and problems, or it's not going to go away. It's still going to be there. And for me, Michael, um, you've got a different thought. If I am presented um, uh, a delicious uh, dish of meat. Uh, I have temptation. My brain is telling me that looks good for you. Your nose would upturn and you say, I'm not going to have this. We have different, uh, different interests. We have different chemical releases in our brains. We have different thoughts, different patterns. And some people, it's uh, use of drugs, and it's very powerful because I'm not going to go out and rob somebody, uh, and I'm not going to go out and break into a house and take copper out and take it to a recycler to uh, go and buy a pound of ground sirloin. But, of course, when you have the circuitry in your brain saying that you need to have uh, drugs or heroin, you will do anything. You will risk going to jail. You will steal from your parents. You will do uh, whatever you need to do to get that. So there's patterns in the brains that have got to change and making the decision to come in and saying, I want to change and taking that first step I think is uh, needing a, a full and, uh, and 
process and um, and something that can go onto the website in the future as taking the first step to saying that you are going to change and what you need to do that. Now, I know that you do this five days a week. I know you do it in intensives, and believe me, I advocate uh, listening to the uh, the series of radio shows that are on Spark Here Now. I recommend doing the PowerPoint. I recommend Chapter 24. We do worksheets, but it takes uh, a little bit more commitment for somebody who is making the decision to start here now with addiction to hang on to the program and to listen to people who've gone through that and with success stories and encouragement and uh, laying out a really nice uh, roadmap for them to get them the I think best that's a results. fabulous idea. And I think that as we move through, uh, through this, that we can construct something giving the people the hope and um, an opportunity to regain their humanness, as, uh, as you always describe it, back and, uh, and get some amazing successes. So uh, that being said, I'll just finish up by, by letting everybody know that after I complete this, uh, this crazy encounter of saying, this is what I can do, this is what you need to do, uh, if you don't participate, I can't help you. If you don't stop using drugs, I can't help you. You're going to have to go do something else. I always ask them, um, have you held a newborn baby? I have to connect them with something that they obviously have, uh, have separated themselves from, the, the experience of love. And I say, I know who you are. I know what your potentials are. I have to look at them in their eyes and tell them, I know who you are, and you're not this person. And have you held a newborn baby? And starting with something that they may not have experienced, of course, their God, their uh, their whole direction in life is getting their next uh, dose of narcotic. They have got to start to feel something. And that is such an amazing transition to get that back in their life. I think that's deserving of some uh, some personal accounts. And some people have had drug addictions out. I'm going to admit that I don't have an issue with narcotics or with drugs, but you have, uh, if I have a, a pint of uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream in the refrigerator or in the freezer, I'm probably going to eat that. I, we, 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 all have, we all have issues in our life that we have restraint type of, uh, of issues, and I'm not beyond um, my own problems. Uh, and so I can speak from somebody who has issues, but not from – a drug issue, not from the drug-seeking issues. And I think that if we have people who are willing to call up and to express this and to say the steps that they went through, the alcoholics, the steps that they went through, I think that might be empowering for people to know that uh, there is a, a choice and an option. Because for some people, this is a big jump because we talk a little bit about, uh, about uh, the Bible. We talk about uh, the words of uh, Yeshua. We talk about uh, things that they might construe as being brainwashing, which, of course, is the exact opposite. Uh, we are washing their brains, but they're doing it themselves. We're giving them the opportunity to take out what doesn't belong, not to believe in anything other than themselves, which is a, something that they have got to, uh, to rationalize in their, their mind that we're not telling them to do anything besides uh, take out what doesn't belong. And you get past that first, that first hurdle that uh, who they are, and uh, what they can become and identifying with uh, their true source, I think is going to be powerful for people in the future to, uh, to listen to because then I can direct them say, 
listen to the shows on addiction, this one as a stepwise uh, process or doing the step one, step two, whatever, uh, deriving a set of your own steps, and we can always include the, uh, the 12-step program. I think that that's an option. I encourage people, of course, I've said this before, you want to use 12 steps and the forgiveness program, that's fine. Do whatever you need to do. If you use 12 steps is, and finding a sponsor and going to meetings every day is working for you, then you've got to do that. But whatever it is, you must be engaged in uh, some sort of program. Then I think we give a direction for people who are truly wanting to stop their addiction process, the easy step why, uh, steps to go through, because the temptation is always there. When they're not listening to the radio show, when they're not doing the work, and not doing their worksheets, uh, the temptation uh, still exists, because indeed this, uh, this young woman, um, I asked him about their past, and her father's in jail and she doesn't talk to her mother, and uh, et cetera. It's, uh, it's usually the same type of, of issues, abusive relationships and things like this. And it's really hard right. to get somebody who has that experience to say all of a sudden that, uh, that they can become this person. They have to experience it. They have to start someplace and be willing to move through it. So I think you know uh, all those steps, I think, and you express it on a daily basis, but to get to something uh, concise and in an in a organized process, I think that we can really touch uh, people, and I think that it'd be awesome to be able to hear people who have had addiction issues, to be able to express how they move through it slowly or fast. Uh, some people get it uh, very slow, and, and that's, that's that they still continue to participate. And some people start to click uh, right away. But I think we've got to hear all stories about people who uh, understand that they are in control of, their, uh, of themselves and uh, part of their mind wants to do it where part of their mind doesn't want to do it. And I just also want to say uh, to uh, Dr. Tim Hayes that I enjoy listening to his uh, perspective. And uh, yesterday he did a very good job uh, explaining the conscious and subconscious mind and the way our mind works. And I can, I can bring and unfold into all sorts of neurobiology and, uh, and all of the dopamine releasing parts of the brain and, and how all of this works. But basically the fact is that our brains want to change how our brains work. And how do we do that for anything is that we've got to put another program into our brain and it starts with some sort of, tangible experience, some sort of tangible feeling. Uh, and that, I don't know of anything else. I ask them, is there anything that's more important? Is there anything that's more centering? Is there anything more goal that you can experience? Is it desire for, uh, for wealth? Is it desire for possessions? Is it desire for more sex, more drugs? What gets you to the point of finding out who you are and your possibilities? And there, of course, you know, we all know, there's nothing more than love. So it's bringing love into their, uh, into their mind and reconnecting to who they really are gives them a place to start. But that's a, maybe a difficult point for a lot of people who've had a lot of abuse. And I know, Michael, you've done this uh, thousands and thousands of times, but uh, I have people who are struggling who need to find this and to take the baby steps to reconnect to that experience. So only because of, uh, of Michael and uh, Dr. Tim and Jeannie and all the people that I've learned from, all the patients and uh, people that I've worked with, have I been able to uh, get to the point that I can express this and I can, uh, I can uh, teach this and I can offer this. And so uh, thanks to all of you and thanks to my patients who are willing to come in and take the time to, uh, to do the work that uh, I continue to do uh, my work. But when it's said and awesome. done, uh, 
there are less than 10% of people who, who stay in the program, who stay more than one or two visits, because no matter how you want to stop it and no matter you, how much you need to stop it or, or uh, have to stop it, it still takes that level of commitment. Definitely, big big time, and I think that would be a great show to create. Now, I can remember a time, uh, Stephen, if you had threatened to take away my haagen there would have been trouble, but I've, I've passed that now, so thank you. <laughs> uh, I still I still struggle with that, and it's the mind. It's the mind telling us things that we have got to do. And uh, if it's there, some people are going to use it. Uh, I had two tangerines last night, and I didn't save one for later. I ate both of them at once. That's my brain telling me it's my thoughts in my mind of how delicious it is, that it's available, et cetera, et cetera. It's my mind saying I'm going to eat eat both of those now instead of savoring them and letting them spread out for uh, an hour or for saving one for, uh, for later. So mind playing a trick on us, just like it is for drugs. Right. Right. Well, I think that's a great idea. And uh, we'll go to work on crafting a, uh, a plan for that show. I'll send it to you. We'll send it to Dr. Tim. Uh, actually, Gail is here at the, uh, codependence intensive so we'll probably get some input from her and we'll start crafting that and uh, you know create a really succinct show that anybody can listen to and, and in one hour get hope and inspiration for moving forward and I'm sure we've got several people who'd be happy to call in and share and support it I know over the years uh, Stephen I've, I've heard from several people that you're working with who just uh are thankful for the gift that you give them of uh, of support and and then you know the tool of forgiveness how that's impacting them so I think that's a that would be an awesome show to do and I think Gail is on the line is Gail there Jamie hey young lady do you have any thoughts on the uh, conversation so far absolutely um, yeah I am on the show I've been cleaning it and, and I was like I heard the unmuted sound and I started to take off my gloves and. <laughs> I get ready to be introduced. Great. Yeah, I have I have some thoughts. <laughs> um what I've Go heard Doctor Andrecki talk about is um the kind of exasper uh, exas uh, frustration uh, since I can't pronounce the other word that I experience when I sponsor people and they're just not getting it. And um what I've learned through the Aramaic forgiveness process is that I have goals for these people and I need to cancel those goals to see what they're not making it or not doing what I'm suggesting that they do um, is bringing up in me. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is that I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 21 years old and I didn't get sober till 32. And it took um, almost losing my kids to finally get to that place where I was willing to do anything. If if my sponsor or some old timer would have suggested that I um, walk down on the west side of um, the town that I was living in at the time, which is not a safe place to be, and um, dribble basketball naked, I would have done it because that was the place that I had to get to. I was willing to do anything to say, stay sober well, and clean and to not do um the the things that I was doing before and well um, you know Gail it's interesting uh as you say that and you you talk about the goals you have for the people you work with and how it brings exasperation up for you when they don't complete those goals and 
you'll notice, and it's the same principle, and, and I think this can be a foundation point for it, is that the mind is always driven by goals and its behaviors and, in producing its behaviors. And what you just shared with us is that you came across a goal that was stronger than your need for the drug or the alcohol, and that was to have your children. And yes, once absolutely. that goal became active, that's what switched your brain. And so I think that's an important piece in the process because uh, until somebody wants it, there's a there's an interesting little story that the Zen teacher tells about the the master who's in the middle of the stream and a chela comes up and says, Master, how do I how do I get to God? And the master grabs him by the scruff of the neck and stuffs him under the water and holds him and holds him under the water and holds him under the water until he almost isn't moving anymore. And he pulls him back up out of the water. And the guy's like, why did you do that? He says, because you got to want God more than you wanted that next breath. And that's the Absolutely. whole goal-driven system of the mind. That That is actually in our AA literature. It talks about we have to be willing as only the drowning can be. So that, yeah, perfect. Perfect. So I get it. Any, and, any thoughts for you, Dr. Tim? Excuse me, excuse me, got you another about there. I cut you off. Did you have another thought for us, Gail? Oh no, I I was I was gonna go someplace else and then you said something to Dr. Tim and I I lost what I was gonna say, so I I'm just being quiet to allow the next piece to come. Okay, cool. Well any my, my thought Tim? My thought is just a ditto. I'm, I do have, you know, in a lot of my talks I say I have the, like everybody on the planet, I have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of my conscious awareness. And if the focus of my conscious awareness, as Dr. Andraki said, is just that in order to survive I need that next hit, and that's what I keep focusing on as long as I hold on to that, as long as some part of me believes that's more important than anything else, that's what I'm going to do. And I have to reach away reach a point where I'm willing to look for a different way. And I think you've got an excellent uh, idea that we ask people to call in and say, what was it that motivated you? You know, your your life purpose has to be on task in order for you to focus enough of your energy to pull out of something like an addiction. So that's my input. For sure. Cool. Stephen, any other thoughts? Are you still with us, Stephen? Oh, okay. I imagine he had to go see a patient. So, awesome. Well, I think it's a great idea, and we'll uh, we'll start to work on that, and we'll circulate it, and uh, get a really uh, succinct program together that we can do that we can feature as a okay here's the here's how you get out of your addiction so powerful powerful well one of the things that happened through this uh codependence to interdependence uh week that we just completed you know we just uh, finished nine days yesterday of codependence and uh it was kind of fun uh, as it was in the uh the original um addiction shows that we did with gail was that um Gail, having such a, a deep knowledge of the uh, AA literature and process, that several times when 
would bring forward a piece from the Aramaic, Gail was able to say, oh, yeah, that's where it is in the literature, as you just did. And to me, it reinforces, and, you know, that piece that you gave us, Gail, in the first show that we did, that the original AA steps came out of the Oxford group, which came out of first century studies, which had to be, if not Aramaic, at least close to Aramaic. So it just it so ties in and each time you you uh you echo one of the aramaic sentiments with the wording from aa it's just like oh there it is it's it's the same stuff i mean this aa in fact from everything that i'm hearing is really yeshua just put into a secular secular form and here's how you use the tools here's what it's about so pretty cool pretty cool i agree I agree. So there were a couple of them this week that you came up with that I thought that were really powerful, and my brain really isn't there right now to remember what they were. Do you do you have a recollection I, of the couple of really good pieces that you had? I do, and and, and you're right. There are a lot of them, and so it's, uh, for me it's a matter of just going back and picking what my gut is telling me would be the most useful. And um, one of them is... Um, in, in the AA literature, there's a book called um, The Twelve and Twelve, and this book was written by Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, 15 years after he got sober, and it was meant to feature the tradition. Um, the, the traditions are basically rules, I'm putting those in air quotes, um, for the group to survive, because if the group doesn't survive, then the individual can't live. And... Um, so anyway, so the, the, the traditions can be kind of dry. And so he decided to write essays based on his experience on the steps as well. And he wrote um, a lot of really good information about, well, all the steps. But in step 10, one of the things that he features in the beginning of step 10 is that he talks about there is a spiritual axiom. And I never knew what axiom meant. That sounds like a great word. I looked it up. Spiritual truth is what an axiom is. is there's a spiritual axiom that um, whenever I'm disturbed or whenever I find something to be disturbing, it's because I'm disturbed. And I'm not, I'm not quoting this exactly. To me, is that if something outside of me is bothering me, um, then, then I need to look inside of me. And then it talks a couple paragraphs down, are there any exceptions? To, to this rule and it says no and I always used to read that and it's like yeah there's exceptions how about people getting molested or you know, Gail, Gail? Yes. Yes. Gail? Yes. Um, I wonder if you can maybe get closer to a window and or hold your microphone close to your mouth because you're kind of fading in and out we're losing a few words okay gotcha so how much where, where do I need to go back to no, we didn't. We didn't lose that much. It was just starting to fade. So, uh, your voice sounds stronger there now. Okay, I'm closer to your window. Um. So anyway, the question for me that there was a question that was posed is: Is there any exceptions to this? And it says no, there aren't. And I always try to in early sobriety. Well, and still today, how about when everybody wants some, to be the exception, right? <laughs> Yes, absolutely, and justifiably so. And, and there's a lot of talk about what is justifiable anger, and are we justified? And it says that alcoholics can't handle anger. 
So it's best to get rid of it. But the other piece that Struck. I shared, the other piece that I, I, I shared is Oh. We got a bit of a crosstalk here, but I was just going to say that, you know, and the reason why nobody can handle anger is because it's another addictive drug, and uh, it, it needs to be treated, I think, the same way as as any other drug. And, of course, you know, I, I, I remember back in the first Iraqi war, I sat and watched a uh, a television program where a priest gets up to justify why in the name of a man who said, love those who hate you, do good to those who believe, who uh, abuse you, uh, why you can do justified war. And it's exactly the same game. Well, we've made up a story that allows us to set our, our truths and our beliefs aside and go kill somebody and use our hostility in a way that uh, that's destructive to ourselves and others. So it's, it is, you know, from from the lowest to the highest levels, Everybody's looking for the exception, but isn't there somewhere that I can unfold my rage on them? Don't don't they really deserve my rage? And my response to that one is, you know, I watched what they did to you, and it was terrible. And absolutely, I agree with you. They deserve your rage. But the question you really need to ask yourself is not, do they deserve your rage, but do you deserve your rage? Because taking a poison hoping somebody else will die is not a very smart thing to do. So I I, I like that uh, exception idea. It's, they've definitely got that one down pat. Go ahead, Jeff. Absolutely. Part um something that we were talking about, you know, continuing to do our work, um, we were discussing that, and I had pulled um, the parallel you're you're, um, you're fading in and out again, Gail. I'm not okay. sure what's happening. Sorry. You're, you're fading. I wonder if there's another place out. in the house you could be. <laughs> maybe I need to go outside. Um, anyway. Um, Sounds pretty nice. Maybe out on the uh, on the uh, lanai under the by the pool. Oh, but I was in that one room cleaning the bathroom. I think that was one of the reasons oh, okay. why it was still muffled. Uh, and and I'm I'm going downstairs right now by stepping. Uh, okay, great. Thank you. So anyway, um, I I guess uh, the next piece was talking about doing our work daily, and um, that's something else of us. Ooh, I'm not sure that this is better because we got the air conditioner going, but um, yeah, you're actually better. Oh, I'm better. Okay, good deal. Um, and uh, step 10 is um, continue to do personal inventory and when when wrong, promptly admit it. And there's two schools of thought on, on what step 10 is about. One is about step 10 being one through nine every single day. And then there's another thought that it's um, one through nine every single day. And one through, and I have a tendency to go with the one through nine every single day because I believe that we need to, when we when we have conflict or experiencing conflict, that um, we need to take a step back and remember that we are powerless over blank and that our lives have become unmanageable. So I, my thinking isn't good about the situation. And then in step two, doing something different um, to be restored to sanity, and in step three, make a decision to finish the rest of the steps and then of course go through the inventory process, talk to somebody else about what you came up with in the inventory process 
look at your character defects and see if you're willing to let go of them in step six and step seven, let go of those character defects. And then, and then if you harm somebody, um, go ahead and make those amends. And so that um, taking that step back and, and, and what I had talked about, um, restraint of pen and tongue, is um, when I am experiencing conflict or frustration, to take that step back and take that breath and and have restraint of pen and tongue or keyboard or text or whatever, and to not lash out, but to to be get into a space where I can look at myself. Right, and and just because it it um, kind of blanked the word a little bit, so it's clear for everybody. What, what you're saying is that you restrain both your pen, offense through writing. And your tongue, offense through speaking, that you hold in that hostility-based comment that you might like to make and do your work first. It was hard to understand the, the word tongue when you said it there. It just like oh, a, a, little gotcha. twist in the signal, a little twist in the signal from your phone. But otherwise, you're coming through pretty clearly. Good deal. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's see if Dr. Tim has anything to share at this moment to add to the conversation. Or, Ginny, is there anybody else with a hand up at this moment? Tim, you got any thoughts? Well, just that I'm enjoying it. You know, every time I hear people talk about the 12 steps again, and I I encourage people like Gail and um, my friend uh, Dave to talk more about this because they're – talking about repeating the steps and doing processes daily and going back over steps. And so many of the people that I meet who have not had such success with the 12-step program are people who say, yeah, I've worked the steps. I, I, I did those 12 steps as though they're done with it. And it's similar. It's, yeah, it's similar to when you talk about people say, yeah, I, I saw that Michael Rice workshop, why is this happening to me again? You know, I, I, I did some worksheets, so I, I know that. What else do you have? And I, I really enjoy the people who've actually had success with a program and a set of tools when they keep saying, I have to use this every day. I, it's a process that got me where I am, and if I don't keep using it, I'm going to lose the, the progress I made. And if I don't keep using it, I can't, I can't make further progress. So that, that would be my input. Right on track, and of course, the reason for that, Tim, I think, goes back to what you started the show up with with your comment of familiar, familial, that these patterns have been going on for so long, for so many generations, that it does take ongoing, repeated work. And I certainly, and I encourage anyone who feels as they engage in this work that it's their work to do, to pick it up and start to teach it, because. I recognize the tendency in myself and the blessing and the gift that it's been to me to teach the work because it's kept me engaged. And I can see in my own life, if I hadn't become a teacher of it on a full-time basis, I wouldn't have done it every day and it would have been dead in my life. So if you, uh, if you have difficulty disciplining yourself, if you have difficulty doing the process, then teach it. And to teach it, you'll have to learn it, and you'll get to face. I remember when Jeannie first started doing her first support group, 
She would pick a topic. She'd watch the video for that week, and then she shared every time she'd get to. You want to share that? Every time you get to live it. Yeah, whatever I had essentially. Yeah, whatever I had planned to speak about or whatever in the group, it never failed that that week I would have to actually experience it and then I could speak about it from a, a direct experience. And it sure wasn't planned, so sometimes it was like, okay, let's pick something really nice to talk about instead of an issue. But it never seemed to work out that way. But it's you always learn more by teaching. I found that, you know, I, I took it um, tremendously much further in my own process when I began teaching it to others. And so there's a whole section on the website based on experiences that I had and, and some letters from other people who have done support groups and just some guidelines and tips. So if you don't have a support group in your area, then um, we encourage you to start one. Dr. Tim's doing two a week, and Dr. Androcki's doing one a week, and you can just hear the transformations in people's lives that are attending those groups. There was a young lady, Michelle, actually, uh, was here during the intensive, and her support group had kind of seemed to start dwindling down. And, and uh, so there were two people that were from the, uh, her area in Michigan that were here at the intensive. And so she just through being here at the intensive and the connection, the reconnection that they made, um, she's got two people that have committed to coming to the support group to continue their process. So you never know whose lives you're going to impact, and especially your own. So we're supposed to be that antenna walking through the world reflecting love, but if we don't do our work, then we're not going to reflect that. We're just going to reflect what's in us. So I encourage anybody and everybody. Yeah. I, I join you in that thought, Jeannie, and uh, there's there's also a section that Jeannie has put on the website because every once in a while, and it's kind of fixed with what you were saying, Tim, is every once in a while we run to people, well, I, I, I can't do five worksheets today because I don't have five issues. You know, I don't I don't have any issues to do worksheets on. And uh, to those folks, I just say, I, I really want to touch the hem of your garment. <laughs> and... And uh, so Jeannie's put a whole section on for people who don't have any worksheets to do. And uh, if, if you work through that section, then talk to us if you still don't have any. So our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you have a question, a thought, an answer for us, your experience of being involved in the, uh, the 12 steps or just recovery from anything, any kind of uh, pain, trauma, addiction, we'd love to hear from you. If there's some way we can support you, if you're stuck in that world, how can we support you? How can we open the space? And I just so often over the years I see somebody who's in such pain and turmoil but are able to keep the pain and turmoil hidden from themselves by their addictive um, substances who have no clue how miserable they really are because they won't let themselves stop long enough to look. And so... Misery is a totally unnatural condition for an actual human being. Suffering, pain, and trauma are not part of the process. Disease is not to be des designed to be part of the process of a human life. 
All of those things are part of the process of a non-human life, the familial, the things that come from generation to generation to generation that we refuse to own, that we refuse to deal with, and that we deny and project on someone else. And so we have a if we up. can support you, oh, great, let's say hello. All right. I think this might be Miss Michelle. 248, you're on the air. Hello, Michael, Jeannie, Dr. Tim. It is Michelle. I'm checking in. Landed in Detroit and waiting for my bag. So I um, just tuned into the show. I'm not sure what the conversation was. I wanted to let you know I arrived and and thank you for an amazing nine day intensive in Orlando. Um, This last little piece I heard about. You, you just you just got an honorable mention for the folks that are were here from Lansing and uh, that are incorporating into your uh, your support group there. So that was oh, where we were. The conversation has been about addiction. Doctor Andraki came on and uh, and suggested that perhaps we could create a show that would give the newly introduced the person who's you know perhaps still using. Uh, whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, or sex, whatever it is, to inspire them to actually start to do something different, you know, give them hope and give them inspiration for for moving forward. So that was kind of the conversation. And then Gail shared some of the uh, the uh, insights that she shared with us during the intensive based in the Aramaic and the, the tying with the 12 steps. That's kind of where our conversation has been, and we're glad you're there safely and soundly. You're in Detroit, so you've got a a, a short hop over to Lansing then from Detroit, or are you driving from Detroit? Oh, no, I'm um, driving from Detroit. I'll probably stop in Ann Arbor and visit my son, who's at University of Michigan. Got to put a plug for the boy wonder. Straight A, cool. engineering, and varsity national status athlete. <clears throat> so, uh, addiction. I'm a psychologist in private practice and work um, with a lot of people in addiction. I have certification in that area and I've started to say for myself when people ask me as, you know, prospective patients and interviewing me, then I'll answer their question about recovery that I'm in recovery from fear and hostility. But more um, specifically, like on a physical level, I just want to share how powerful I think my experience over the last week um, of 10 days vomiting on and off, bedridden for more hours than not, and having to go through that experience without my normal vices uh, that I would use at home, mostly um, probably prescriptions, Zofran, medicine to curb nausea, popsicles, and, you know, dyes and, and, uh, like, frozen treats to suck on to soothe myself and, you know, gallons of Sprite and Verner's. Verner's is a Detroit pop, by the way. It's made of the ginger ale, only available in Detroit. But anyways. Right. Familiar um, with it. So, you know, I'm I'm with um, the pain on a, between a 7 and a 10, depending on what part of the, moment I was in, um, and, and really having uh, a hot, like a heating pad, uh, San Pellegrino, and Jeannie's Miraculous Frozen Blueberries. 
that was a brilliant um, suggestion, and it and it did the trick. And so I know that in those weak, weak moments, it I'm not practiced or um, integrated enough to reliably, consistently, committedly follow the plan because I lose sight that. I'm being guided, or I lose sight that, um, you know, in the next moment there might be relief. And so it was really great just to be surrounded with love and people supporting me. Um, Michael, you, you did an amazing job finding my pressure points on the reflexology on my feet. Uh, when you when you torqued on that, it was probably just a, a whisper of air. It felt like red hot. And so... It was just really nice um, experiential to, like, get that I can do that. I can do that for myself next time it comes up. And, and you know, it's a corollary. It doesn't have to be in bed vomiting. It could be, you know, wanting to rage at my office manager because of something my bill is did. And it was just a really good, profound reset for me. Awesome. And uh, you might want to share uh, the evening when you walk down to your car, and, and this is to me like one of the delicious um, gifts that we get when we do our work, the uh, the opening that happened for you. Um, okay, sure. I, there's there's five minutes. I'll make it succinct. So, Dr. Tim, um, you know, we talk all, all the time about brain cells and what you have brain cells for and what you don't have brain cells for. And you have um, some good experience with Midwest winters, so I've got a lot of brain cells for snow, all the different kind of snow, just like an Eskimo. So I'm finishing the evening, and I have to walk from the home we're staying at to the main clubhouse, and I knew that in Detroit it had gotten colder and it was um, snowing. That was probably in the back of my mind, but the weather in Florida, although when I got there it was 76, this particular day, it had been dropping and dropping and dropping. And, you know, there were some little uh, sarcastic remarks about possibly, you know, the weather in Florida being snow. So I'm walking to the front gate, and there's uh, lamp lighting, street lighting, that kind of has a dusky uh, look to it. So I'm walking. I've got my hoodie on and hands in my pockets, to brace from the cold because it is getting colder and I'm walking there and all of a sudden I, I peripherally I see snow and I'm like oh my god no way it is snowing here holy you know Batman so I don't feel the wetness melting on my face though so then I'm like huh okay those brain cells don't fit this experience uh, what else and I come up with Oh, that pollen, that, that those Florida trees, they give off that, like, linty stuff, and then it flies, and it kind of in there. It looks like snow. And then I'm I'm looking on the ground, given the volume I'm, I'm perceiving, I'm like, but there's nothing landed on the ground. There's, like, no dust swirls or any other evidence of accumulation once this, this pollen's dropping. So that was out. So I stop in, you know, kind of a dumbfounded way, like, what, what is going on and at the same time the snow stopped and I was like what so I took some more steps and snow started again and I looked and I was so uh, 
I guess, surprised that it that it turned on again, so I stopped, and it turned off. So then I started messing around with it, and I started to figure out it was neat. I could see all the uh, energy in my field, like in my aura, all around me and with me, like walking forward. I don't know why I, I couldn't perceive it when I stopped walking, but when I looked down in my uh, solar plexus area, I could distinctly see, because I, I walked really, really slow. If I walked slow, I could catch more. If I stopped, it would stop. So I walked really, really slow, and sure enough, it was rotating in a counterclockwise um, you know, motion. The, the, all the little particles were all in sync, uh, spattered and in, in, in random, but all in sync, all rotating in the same way. And I pretty much uh, collapsed into tears and uh, <laughs> had presence of mind to breathe and, and cried and breathed the rest of the way to my car. Came back, picked up Ari, and and said, <laughs> "You're not going to believe this." And so it was. As you, um, Michelle, yeah. as you were able to tap into that and realize what was going on, and we've only got about a minute or so to go, but what was the energetic or emotional state that you were able to feel? Relief, like that. Any doubt that I ever had or the skeptic in my mind, it was like the beautiful validation that keep doing what you're doing. Here's a prize. Here's a, here's a trinket. Here's a nugget. There's more, but you, you're, you're doing good so far, so enjoy. Yeah, yeah and, that's, that's and, exactly. Know, we, get, we get that bright light experience that Gail talked about in the first AA uh, session and and it sounds like you got you got it on the uh, the visual level which you know we often talk about if you could see what was standing in front of you you'd see this worrying mass of electrons protons and neutrons and what comes with it is just this awesome presence of love so sweet <laughs> so you know, I hear people talk about it and I want to believe them but you know unless it's my own experience in me you know, it it it, it wasn't really as true, and so that that was um, the miracle and the ecstasy. And you know, I've um, I've actually had a lot of spontaneous tears today, and and just a pure joy and gratitude. The, the you know the ecstasy cool. after the laundry, there's the ecstasy. Cool. So very good. I'm uh, I feel Holding like too space. bad. I'm gonna okay. I will um check okay. with y'all later. Bye bye. Bye bye.